Christ to be discipled and, and to the extent that you can have the wisdom to, to check their intentions or their commitments, that they are going to be willing to teach others also as you invest uh, time and effort in them. So I do pray, Pastor Hoppy, that you will choose disciples with whom to live life together who open the passing it on and teaching others also. Of course, if you're, don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, if you're a, a mom or a dad here uh, and you have uh, family members that you're responsible for, obviously parents are to, to raise their children in the nurture and ad admonition of the Lord, whether they're faithful yet or not. <laughs> uh, and so there are certain family uh, commitments and responsibilities, and certainly uh, I, I trust Pastor Hoppy that uh, you will never allow your, your ministry for the church to take you away from making disciples in your own family and being faithful uh, to nurturing uh, them as well. And so this is something whether or not, even if you don't consider yourself a, a, a mature, trained individual who's going to join with Pastor Hoppy to do this work of building faithful, reproducing disciples, you may uh, be fairly new in the faith or you may just be a, just a, a worker. Maybe you're going to be signed up for that training session for Awana today and you've never done that before. But you can apply this basic principle as you do that. The average Awana club uh, usually uh, attracts over half of its members from people in the community who aren't part of the church. And you may have more than half of the clubbers who are coming from uh, the community. Uh, and, uh, and so there's always the opportunity for those in Awana or in Sunday school, if you're, if you're a worker in any, any ministry, uh, yeah, you're preparing your lesson, you're preparing for what goes on, you're making sure what knows what happens in the meeting, but no, you have to make time for people as well. You're training people, you're making disciples, and how do you do that? You should focus on the, once again, the faithful, not the fringe people, the irregulars. If you're going to visit someone or call someone, don't focus on the unfaithful. Focus on who's the, who are the kids that are there every week, and if you want to visit an, uh, an irregular or someone who came as a visitor, you, you visit them with them, and you're discipling your faithful ones. Most programs get that upside down. Try to get everybody involved all at once, <laughs> and try to focus on reaching, make the priority the new people and the fringe. And God is saying, no, look for faithful people, and then work through them to reach the sky's the limit in terms of uh, the community. Well, finally, a word about how to do this. We know who's supposed to do it, what they're to teach, the Word of God, the mature trained folks teaching the Word of God to faithful, reproducing disciples. How are they supposed to do it? I would just emphasize the fact that all of these verbs or nouns in verse 2 are plural. There are no singulars. Uh, we often look for one person to be our Timothy. A lot of the discipling making books had that as the presupposition when they were written a few decades ago. Remember that Timothy was part of a small group with Paul and Silas initially. And you notice the, the first plural there in verse 2, the things you've learned from me among many witnesses. Wasn't just Paul, wasn't a one-man one-on-one tutorial. Commit to faith, oh, find a faithful man 
No, commit to faithful men, plural. You learned it in a context of more than one person. This is not a one-on-one discipleship uh, event. It's many witnesses. Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach each one reach one, right? Who will be able to teach others, plural, also. Uh, And so basically, uh, the emphasis in our text here this morning is on the plurality of the body. And indeed, it's the teaching of the body of Christ. Uh, There's a reason for many witnesses and doing it just as one person because no one person has all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's the point in Ephesians 4. It takes multiple people building into each member. Every member ministering what they have to bring uh, someone to maturity in Christ. And so basically, that's how Jesus did it with the 12. It wasn't just uh, one-on-one with folks. It was in a small group activity with the 12. That's what Paul is doing on his missionary teams and his journeys. He's discipling as he goes and he serves. And of course, by the time you get to the third missionary journey, uh, the team has gotten bigger. Uh, We get a glimpse of that in Acts chapter 20 and verse 4 when we see the team leaving from the third journey. And Paul had expanded the team to Sopater from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy, Tychicus, Trophimus from Asia. So Timothy's part of of an eight-man team uh, here now. And it doesn't mention Silas, so there's nine. And uh, so there's a a, a bigger team now that Paul is using. Those are the many witnesses that had been all part, and they had all built into Timothy's uh, life as well. And so God grant wisdom to know how indeed to do that. Now, in some ways, the Bible Church of Lakeshore is already a small group. Uh, So uh, you're not going to jump on the bandwagon of having small group ministry as a program of the church. I remember when Ken Kalinske spoke at the IFCA convention out in Estes, Colorado in 77 that uh, he was challenging all the pastors there in small groups and the guys I was standing with were saying, well, wait a minute, my church is a small group. (laughs) Uh, But uh, uh, in any event, uh, be aiming not just for one-on-one but in the context of of small groups, be it a group of three uh, or, or four or seven or whatever it is. I just challenge you uh, to build your disciples in the context of small groups, many witnesses. So that's essential number one. That was verse two. The presupposition is that you'll also meet essential number two in verse one, which is reinforcing the foundation of your personal spiritual life. I'm using a building metaphor for this this message of building faithful disciples. What's the foundation for this ministry? Well, obviously, no other foundation can any man lay than is laid, which is Christ Jesus the Lord. But in terms of this particular discipling ministry, the foundation is, is the spiritual life of the discipler, that no discipleship ministry can go any, any further than where the discipler has has gone. <clears throat> Some disciples drop out, like those in Asia that we read in verse 15, Phygelus and Hermogenes, Demas in chapter 4, verse 10. And uh, this is your first uh, pastorate in terms of having that responsibility. And uh, unfortunately, I'm here to tell you as a longtime professor at Capital Bible Seminary that many of the students that I trained that some of them didn't make it past their first church. 
that it was one and done. And it wasn't because they stayed there for the rest of their life as the, as the pastor of that particular uh, ministry. Not everybody who intends to succeed in the pastorate uh, does and well. So what do you need to do? <laughs> you need to, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. That's verse 1. Uh, beware neglecting your quiet time as you prepare sermons. Beware neglecting your own spiritual walk because you're so busy in ministry and fulfilling all of your individual responsibilities, your administrative responsibilities. Oh, now you're discipling my responsibilities. It's so easy to just sort of start taking shortcuts. And uh, that's what Paul had written to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. Uh, Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. Uh, make sure that you're reinforcing the foundation of your own spiritual uh, walk with the Lord. And how do you do that? <clears throat> Just by trying harder, sleeping less, putting in more hours. No, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. When you get to leave here in your car today, it's not going to be your self-effort. You're not going to push the car. You're not going to press on the steering wheel to make it go. You're not the engine of the car. The car has its own engine. Or if you like to sail, you can get into that sailboat. Uh, you don't try to blow into the sail yourself. No, you trust the wind to carry you. And it's the grace of God and it's Christ Jesus is the one who energizes and who carries. That was our message this morning from the choir. I'm a sinner saved by grace. When someone asks you how you're doing this morning, you can always say, better than I deserve because we all live and breathe by the grace of God and that's how we're saved by grace and that's how we live Christ, Colossians 2 6 wasn't in our responsive reading but as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him it's not that uh, you know okay Christ founded this church but now it's all up to you Pastor Hoppy to do the job here you've got to do it and no it's not going to be. be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Using the words of Hebrews 12, run looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Or in the words of Paul in Ephesians 6 time, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's the engine. He's the wind in, in our sails. And that's been so true for me this year. I, 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 if people ask me how I'm going, I'll say, yeah, better than I deserve, but also uh, I've been saying the wind's gone out of my sails. I lost my wife of 47 years, marriage, uh, four months ago. And, and being her caregiver, she, it was New Year's Day, she found out that she had stage four ovarian cancer. And this has been the toughest year of, of my life. And, and, but even though sorrowing, yet always rejoicing, because the Lord has been the one who's been filling, has been carrying me. The Lord's been the wind in my sails even when the wind goes out and I don't feel like preparing sermons. This is just the second sermon I've preached this year because God called me to another ministry of caring for my uh, dying wife and, and recovering from that. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So let's not have people wowed with Pastor Hoppy knows it all, does it all. No, he's a weak vessel. He has this ministry in earthen vessels because he has to, he's got to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And that's true not just for your pastor 
on this day of installation, but it's true for each and every one of us as well. Don't base your attendance or your involvement in this church on how well you think he's doing or how well you like him or his sermons. It's be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and trust his grace. And yeah, Pastor Hoppy is your under-shepherd, but the chief shepherd is the main, the main guy here. Maybe there's somebody here this morning who's been drifting. You've just been coasting. Maybe the wind's gone out of your sails too, and you haven't been reading your Bible. You haven't been serving the Lord. I don't know what your individual situation is. Worst case scenario, maybe there's someone who's been pretending to be a Christian just by coming, because you've always come here. This is your church. If you don't really have a foundation of a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, there would be no better gift to Pastor Hoppy on the beginning of his ministry here officially than for you to receive the gift of eternal life and make this your spiritual birthday when you know that you've received the Lord Jesus and have the gift of eternal life. So as we all prepare for this adventure, I trust it'll be an adventure for helping build the Bible Church of Lakeshore, make sure that each of us is reinforcing our personal foundation of our walk with the Lord as we depend on Him, as we look to Him. So that's my prayer this morning. I, I don't know if it'll be, I don't think I have another 30 years, but uh, I don't know when I'll be back next to the Bible Church of uh, Lakeshore. Uh, but I pray that God will build a solid work here during the, pastor, uh, during the pastorate of Jonathan Hoppy and beyond. Don't know when the Lord's coming back. I remember at the 10-year mark, uh, sort of assessing my first 10 years as a youth pastor, as a soul pastor, as a church planting pastor. Uh, and as I look back over my first 10 years of pastoral ministry, wow, I saw a lot of all of my effort washed out in terms of building a church, building programs, building ministries. Uh, the church that I pastored for six and a half years, we went from 60 people uh, to uh, 180 people on average attendance in the six years. And, and, but then a few, few pastors after me in splits got that back down to two families. Everybody gone, empty building. And uh, that's sort of disheartening. But God isn't taking organizations and programs to heaven. <laughs> He's taking people to heaven. And balancing that sadness was the joy of staying in touch with individuals that I had poured my life into while pastoring, while building and starting an Awana program, while serving the Lord. Even if programs fail, people, anything that you invest in time and effort into people, make building, faithful, reproducing disciples. I got a call just yesterday from one of those guys who's in Florida who was there in 1972. That, that was one of those guys in that church that went down to only two families. And, and so God isn't going to be finished with the people. And, and so I sort of got a new, and I'm so loving retirement right now that I can just spend all my time building into people and I have no organizational responsibilities. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> So no matter what the future of this church is as an organization, you'll be laying up treasure in heaven by every person that you disciple to make a disciple who, who will make disciples in turn. You will multiply your ministry way beyond your years. Maybe he will bless this church in amazing ways. As I, when I was asked to preach this sermon, I checked my 
pastoral installation file, and I've done a number over the years, having had number, you know, so hundreds of students at the seminary, and, uh, and I saw one sermon, wow, that I had preached in 1986 with this is my text. <laughs> and it was for Wally Webster over in Lisbon Bible Church. And I remember having a hard time finding that church among the cornfields out there. It's somewhere lost between Baltimore and Frederick out there uh, in, in Maryland, along Route 7, north of Route 70. And, uh, and so I, I, I gave this same charge to that congregation at Lisbon Bible and to, and to Wally Webster. And wow, he really took that to heart. He made that the focus of his ministry. He just focused on building men. He, focused, he decided to focus on his men. Uh, he, didn't, uh, he had other things for ladies, but he, fo he made his focus on men. And he just had small groups. He had Saturday meetings. He had Bible studies. Uh, and he just focused on building faithful men. And it's been exciting to see the Lord bless that. They went from this small church about your size out in the, in, in the country. You can hardly find the church uh, in the cornfields. But uh, uh, now... They're a church of hundreds and hundreds. He's, he, Wally's still there after 30 years. Now he's got a multiple staff, and God has done an amazing work there in the Lisbon Bible Church because he was willing to be patient. You just start small. You just aim at the faithful, and don't, you're not going to reach all the friends right away, but just trust God. So who knows what God might do if you commit, and as a church, you commit to this basic charge that is the Word of God for you this morning to build faithful, reproducing disciples. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of, of opening your word this morning and uh, just thank you for the simple basics that if we just obey the Great Commission and make disciples who would make disciples, that we will see a wonderful, marvelous thing uh, that you do. And I pray that you will indeed uh, do that uh, through these precious people, through Pastor Hoppy and through the people of, of the uh, Bible Church of Lakeshore. In Jesus' name, amen. We come now in the uh, program to the charge uh, to the congregation. So if the congregation at this time would please stand. I will be reading the charge and then you are to respond with the words in bold, by God's grace we do. So if you're able to stand, please do so. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and believing that God has called you to share in mutual service unto our Lord with Pastor Hoppy, do you commit to serving the Lord Jesus Christ together with him? Will you seek to diligently pray for and enthusiastically support him as he seeks to carry out his biblical role as pastor-teacher? Thank you. Please be seated. And uh, Pastor Hoppe, you stay standing, please, because it's your turn. Jonathan Hoppe, having been called and ordained as a pastor-teacher of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, having accepted the invitation of the Bible Church of Lakeshore to become its senior pastor, do you solemnly give yourself to serve him and this congregation? Will you seek to fulfill your biblical responsibility to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry? By God's enabling grace, I will. Amen. Amen.
All right. Thank you. It's time for the special music, I believe.